You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. This is episode number 37. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and finally, finally, BLG, it is good to be back together after a long time apart. Stats, it's just you and me again, like how it was meant to be for the first time in feels like a month or so. It's been a long time. And we're also getting back to the true essence of the oddcast today. We're getting back to power rankings. How about that? You may have forgotten. We are the show with the only 100% accurate power rankings. And we are pleased and privileged to be able to bring them to you. Uh, Before we begin, I want to remind everybody, subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Rate, review. If you have a question, drop it in your review and we will read it. All right, BLG, I've I got to tell you, you sent me the power rankings and I was looking them over and I just it just felt right. Something just felt <laughs> good. You know, we're, we're we're hopefully getting to the end of the pandemic where masks are becoming less of a thing. Now we got power rankings again, like life mm. just was returning to normalcy. Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, obviously, you can read these full power rankings if you want to read them in written form on bleedinggreennation.com. I'll have them posted along with this podcast that you're listening to right now. Uh, stats, I also kind of did something, I feel like, a little creative here. And in addition to my actual rankings, 1 through 32, I also included in parentheses next to each team's name the amount of games they are favored to win in the early point spreads, which, you know, take it for what it's worth, very early. But I just thought that was kind of another uh, interesting factor to look at with all these teams. So we can mention those, too, when we're talking about them today no i loved it because sometimes i think there's a big disparity between our feeling on a team and the bookmakers feeling on a team so it, it, there were some interesting contrasts there so we will definitely get to those all right let me as tradition dictates read the top 10 and then we can sort of take it from there number one tampa bay buccaneers no surprise you win the super bowl you deserve to be number one in the power rankings number two kansas city afc champions makes sense The Chargers are at number three. The Rams are at number four. Buffalo is fifth. The Ravens are sixth. Cleveland is seventh. Seattle is eighth. That was pretty surprising to me. The Packers are nine. And the Washington football team rounds out the top 10. And just sort of overarching, the thing I noticed about the top 10 that surprised me where you had five AFC and five NFC, I was sort of expecting it to be loaded in the AFC, but it makes sense to me how you have it. Yeah, that wasn't intentional at all. Uh, definitely didn't. It's funny you mentioned that because I, di- I didn't even notice that. 
Um, and then really even going beyond the top 10, it's another AFC team right after that. And then another AFC, uh, NFC right after that. So really uh, six and six in the top 12 even. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I mean, if you look at, you know, the top five here, uh, three of those are all NFC or sorry, AFC teams. And then even going, spinning that out to the top seven, uh, there's only two NFC teams in the top seven. That includes the reigning Super Bowl champs. So still weighted more towards AFC towards the top. So the first thing that jumped out to me is you've got the Chargers at number three. You and I love the Chargers. We have been singing their praises all offseason. We both took their over when we did our over-unders for 2021. And let's go to L.A. now and get more perspective on that squad. Let's talk to Michael Peterson from Bolts from the Blue. He's going to tell us if we're crazy, what he thinks, what people in L.A. are saying. Michael, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm good, guys. Stoked to be here. Okay, so. Tampa Bay, number one, Kansas City, number two, L.A. Chargers, number three in BLG's power rankings. How wrong is he? Man, you know, my gut reaction is like, no, he's perfectly fine. This is the most accurate power ranking I've ever seen of anybody who writes about Mm. football. Um, But, you know, as positive as I would like to be, it's a little wrong because I think, and especially if you cover the Chargers long enough, this is a team that's basically like a, until they prove it, whatever it may be, I don't want to give them the benefit of that doubt just yet because they've scorned the fan base for years, um, year after year, the same thing in the offseason. There's the hype, there's the, the the shine and sparkle to the team and what we think it's going to be this season, and then they underwhelm, and then we kind of repeat this, this vicious cycle. But I think this year is actually different. I, I think there's something to be said about adding Brandon Staley and a coaching staff that has, in a way, proven to be competent at their jobs um, and not set back on their ways in archaic fashions that posts uh, or that past, excuse me, uh, coaching staffs have been like Anthony Lynn. As much as I loved him, you got guys that are kind of stuck in the past. You've got a forward-thinking, contemporary mind um, in Staley, and he's the type of guy he's already shown that he can take you know players that may not look the best on paper and turn them into the best unit like he did with the Rams defense last year. So there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic. Three's a little high, but he's not wrong to think that this team can exceed expectations. I'm excited. I'm excited for the Chargers. I think there's a lot here. I think we name them winners of free agency stats, name them winners of the draft. They build up that offensive line. Justin Herbert going into year two behind better protection is exciting to me. Uh, Michael's talking about Brandon Staley here. I mean, if we're talking about someone who might be able to kind of have some level of answers for Patrick Mahomes, maybe it's him, given the way we saw from that Rams defense last year, getting Derwin James back. So I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited about the Chargers. Uh, but Michael, what are this team's pitfalls? What am I missing here that maybe things could go wrong? I know maybe, obviously, there's the just the annual we're all too hyped on the Chargers, and then they end up being the Chargers, and that happens. But like, what are the weaknesses of this team that maybe I'm overlooking? So, yeah, at a glance, weaknesses. The, some of the first things I point to are the pass rush. Um, this is a unit that I think looks good on paper and has looked good on paper for quite some time. Every single off season. Someone does an article about best pass rushing duos, and it's always Joy Bosa and Melvin Ingram were up there. Um, But unfortunately, I think people kind of weren't paying close enough attention to the production that Melvin Ingram was putting out the last couple of years, especially this past season, albeit he played seven games, um, but zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, um, which no matter if you're injured or not, that's a tough 
stat line to kind of get over. And then in 2019 and 2018, he was hitting numbers of seven and a half sacks, I think both years. And those were both career lows since I believe his second year in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, he just hadn't been uh, the real bookend that, that Joey Bosa needed on the other side. But you're going over to a little bit of a new defense. You know, it's not a true transition from a 4-3 to a 3-4, but it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid similar to kind of what John Pagano ran back in 2016, a 3-4 with 4-3 principles because Joey Bosa, you know – He's going to be an edge player, but in you know Staley's three-four front, you have standing outside linebackers, which is essentially what Joey Bosa is. But they're going to make sure he's he's where he needs to be. But besides Joey Bosa, this depth is real shallow. So behind him, you have Chenin Wosu, who was actually second on the team in sacks last year. I think he should have got more snaps. Gus Bradley had different ideas for whatever reason, and we're playing guys like Isaac Rochelle and even Jerry Tillery out on the edge as opposed to Nwosu, which was a tough look. But then you look at the interior guys as well. There's probably going to be three down linemen in between Bosa and probably Nuosu on the edges, and that's Linval Joseph, Jones, and Tillery. And again, you look at the pass rush production, it's almost not there, almost non-existent the past couple seasons. Jones had his first sack of his career last year. I believe he just has one to his name right now. Uh, Tillery showed some flashes as well early on, had the first sack of the year against the Bengals, but didn't do much. I think he had more penalties than he had sacks the rest of the way throughout the year. I mean, it was just kind of a rough look there. And Joseph isn't prime Linval Joseph anymore. Uh, they did go and get Chris Rump for, out of Duke, the slippery edge rusher um, there in the fourth round, who I think could see some successes, especially after what Brandon Staley did with Leonard Floyd. But overall, this this unit just needs to be proven it just needs to show that they can get up to the quarterback because when the charters were good back in 18 they had the pass rush to go with the secondary they were playing off each other in that synergistic relationship um but i think to for this defense to really reach their potential this they're gonna have to find some depth and at least prove that they can get to the quarterback on a much more consistent basis is that the plan for the team like every team is constructed to win games a certain way and when i look at the chargers just from the outside i see okay We have protected Justin Herbert now. It's all about him. We want to score 30 a game, and we want to put the other team down multiple scores so they have to pass. So the pass rushers you're talking about, like Bosa and Ingram, can pin their ears back and go get them. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, The defense, so obviously with Gus Bradley, they were running a heavy zone defense, heavy cover three defense. Um, it was just bend, but don't break. And, and honestly, it, it bent and bent and bent and broke <laughs> occasionally. I mean, it was it just wasn't what Gus Bradley needed it to be. And I don't think he had the true playmakers um, consistently enough to make that defense work, especially with Derwin James missing so much time. Now we're transitioning to Staley's defense, which he's already said is going to include a lot more man defense, a lot more too high looks. Um, I think the quote was he he doesn't want to goad offenses into passing on their defense. And that's what the cover three defense did. It makes the offenses want to pass, and they had a lot more success doing that. With this two high looks, more man, they want to make offenses run to kind of slow down games in that way. And uh, when you look at their um, their guys on the back end, besides Derwin James, you had Nasir Adderley, first-year uh, starter last year. This will be his third year in the league. Um, he had a rough go of it. He was singled out. Uh, as the deep safety, he was left all alone. He was the last line of defense for these, you know, cleanup tackles. Um, and, and he unfortunately just wasn't prepared. Uh, he, he missed quite a few tackles, and it really bled the the defense quite a bit. Um, 
So I'd say that's kind of where we're looking for this blueprint of this defense. It is to get the pass rush going to play a lot more man to force offenses into making a lot of uncomfortable decisions. And I think that's probably the key to uh, stopping Patrick Mahomes. And, and, you know, the past couple of years, Chargers have had success stopping Patrick Mahomes. And that's just getting in his face, making him very uncomfortable, um, getting on top of the screen game, their misdirection. The Chargers have done a good job. Uh, but, you know, the only thing stopping them was the fact that they just couldn't close games last year. Mentioned Justin Herbert earlier. I feel like if the Chargers are going to make me look dumb and uh, disappoint, it's going to be because we're going to see some kind of sophomore slump from Herbert. I guess, uh, what is your level of concern about that? And I guess kind of just looking at Herbert, like me not knowing him and maybe, you know, other fan bases and not knowing him as much personally um, as, as you might from covering the team. Like a big reason why I, I've talked about why I kind of started to be out in Carson Wentz is everything I heard about him in terms of like above the shoulders and the mindset and not like necessarily having the hunger to get better on someone else's terms as opposed to just his terms. Like what is Herbert's makeup? Do you have confidence in him that he can stave off any kind of sophomore slump? Yeah. In terms of just off field makeup personality wise, I mean, he is as straightforward as it gets. He is his own person. He, he's pretty calm, collected. Uh, he knows how to speak, hold himself. And then he's extremely smart. You know, uh, I think he was a, a bio major. He was a TA for most of his time in college. Like he spent time in football and he spent time in the classroom. And then I think he went fishing and he likes to make brisket. I mean, like there's not a ton to, to say about Justin Herbert as far as we know um, what he does off the field. Every time they win a game, they have a victory brisket. So him, Gabe Neighbors and Nate Gilliam was a practice squad guard. They all live together and they do that. And that's been a fun thing to to follow. But he just studies, man. Honestly, he just seems so on top of everything. He seems so confident. Um, it's just, you know, simple preparation. He just makes sure he's on top of everything. So there's nothing that, that, you know, blindsides him or anything like that. And I think you kind of saw that he was, you know, he could have been blindsided by the surprise start against the chiefs in week two. And we saw what he did, you know, he, he struggled with some ill-timed interceptions, but did still like over the course of the year, didn't throw that many. Um, and definitely not down the final stretch, especially ending this, the season with a four game win streak. Um, he just seems so well-prepared and just so on top of everything. And so, yes, in terms of confidence of not having a sophomore slump, I think the chances are low because they just gave him the the best offensive line I think the Chargers have had at least in the last 10 years. And wow. he succeeded uh, and broke all the rookie records, you know, had, had a good individual season in 15 games instead of 16, obviously, behind, I think, what was the probably the worst offensive line in the NFL. He was pressured numerous times uh, and somehow, some way, had, I think, one of the best QBRs under pressure, had the most big-time throws of 50-plus yards, had the most yards completed or thrown for while under duress. I mean, he did all these things under horrible offensive line and the Chargers went out and said we invest in you and we got you the best of the best that we possibly could um, so I just think the chances of putting all those variables together and still seeing a sophomore slump is just extremely low I have two questions one is a football question but before I get to that what what do they do with the brisket if they lose <laughs> honestly I you'd hope that they don't purchase the brisket ahead of the game i mean it sounds like bad money i mean they probably still feel pretty good eating a brisket no matter what win or lose but you know like eating a loser's brisket i don't think they want to (laughs) like you know prepare it after the game and just be like all right boys cheers and then dig into your loser brisket you know i just don't think that's something they probably do so it's maybe avoid that probably wait on purchasing that meat well don't you have to cook it for like 12 hours or something you know some crazy (laughs) amount of time it's, I think, I mean, they eat it the day after. So if anything, they okay. get it after All the right. game and they can set it up and then wake up the next morning and feel great about it. We ask the important questions here on the podcast. Yes. 
Yes, we do. Okay, my football question now. You've kind of alluded to the coaching staff earlier and how it's a new staff, and you're you're done with the Anthony Lynn, no timeouts, 30 seconds left, run the ball on third down in the red zone. Like, finally. Are we done with the Chargers have the ball every game ending? Chargers have the ball down by four, like a minute and 20 seconds left, maybe one timeout. Because that's been your life for like the past 10 years with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I mean – I hope so. I mean, just straight up, I hope so. I don't think fans can take much more of it. I mean, that's a that's a debate you've heard before where it's like, would you rather just get blown out all the time or would you rather have, be in every game but still lose every game? You know, it's a lose-lose situation. Which one just, like, hurts the less? Um, I'm not entirely sure. you got to think, though, the one thing, one of the things the Chargers needed to focus on and improve on over the offseason, and Tom Telesco noted on it quite a bit before the draft, was instead of thinking of, like, positional needs, he was just like, well, where do we need to get better? So if, if instead of just saying, hey, the you know left tackle, it was score more points in the red zone, which they were unfortunately uh, really bad at. I think they were a top five offense and a top 10 defense in terms of yards, you know, uh, gained and yards allowed on both sides of the ball. But you looked at points allowed and then points scored. And those numbers were insanely low compared to other teams who were also maybe a top five offense or a top five defense. I mean, they were doing everything but this one important thing, right? You can get all the yards you want. You can minimize your opponents all the yards they can. But if your points at the end of the day, that scoreboard is not lighting up as much as you need to. Uh, it's just going to be a bad year. And, and that's what we saw last year. Skill of one to 10, 10 being the most confident. What's your confidence level in the chargers winning the AFC West? I've gone out and said, they're going to do it. This is their year. Much to the chagrin of SB Nation NFL show's own Pete Sweeney, who I'm sure you know from covering the Chiefs and thinks it's impossible for the Chiefs to basically ever lose a game. <laughs> so I need I need to gauge your confidence level on the Chargers winning the division this year. All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with like a solid seven. Okay, and that doesn't sound solid. Yeah, I mean it might be a, on a weaker seven as well, but just there's so many things to be positive about. Like again, you. The crazy Homer fans will, you know, will beat their chest and say that, you know, every year they buy into the hype. And I've learned not to buy into that hype whatsoever. It's unfortunately, they have to prove it before they can earn my trust, you know, like that. Right. They've got to show that they can consistently beat the Chiefs and even the Broncos and the Raiders. Because, I mean, the last couple of years, every season, I would say that it was always the Chiefs at the top and then the Chargers. And then the basement was like the Broncos and the Raiders kind of fighting it out. And the Chargers have seen a lot of or haven't had a lot of success against the Raiders and Broncos. And I think if the Chargers ever want to compete with the Chiefs and just, you know, be a playoff team on a consistent basis, you just have to take care of the Raiders and you have to take care of the Broncos. It's just kind of the easiest way to do it or else you're trying to beat all these other out-of-conference teams, out-of-division teams that are pretty good on your schedule. Um, But there's just – I'm – with Staley, there's something about him. There's something listening to him talk every single time he's – you know, we're on a press conference with him. He just says the right things. He's so conscious and he's acknowledging and, and everything that uh, he just wants to make sure everyone gets the right answer. You know, it's so refreshing compared to Anthony Lynn, who, again, was kind of set in his ways. There was a lot of coach speak. Um, something about Staley, man. It's just this aura of trust him until he gives you plenty of reason not to. And so I think that's the kind of way Chargers fans should look at it right now going into this season. It's be optimistic. Trust him until given a reason otherwise. Uh, and just, again, hope for the best. That was a soft seven you just gave us. How does that number change if Aaron Rodgers suddenly gets traded to the Denver Broncos? Um, that comes closer to a five, mm. honestly. Uh, maybe even below that uh, because mm. I know 
how good the roster is for the uh, the Broncos aside from quarterback. I mean, yep. I'm not going to hide that fact. Like, that's a pretty good team. Starting last year, it seemed like the entire AFC West was was drafting to either keep up with the Chiefs or to somehow stop the Chiefs. And honestly, last year, the Raiders and Broncos were like, we're going to try to outscore the Chiefs by getting speed with Ruggs and Judy and those guys. And the Chargers last year were like, we're going to try to stop them with getting Murray and, and some of those defenders. And then this year, you know, was filling in some of the needs to, to really start the, the Staley era off. But you add Rodgers to that that Broncos offense with plenty of weapons and then a defense that people are forgetting about just because Vaughn Miller maybe wasn't there all that much last year. I believe he was hurt most of the year, if not the whole thing. Um, Jarrell Casey was hurt, didn't really play much for them last year. Bradley Chubb still a thing. Justin Simmons. I mean, there's plenty of talent, if not just the same amount on the Chargers. So if you're excited about a Chargers defense, I don't think there's any reason why you shouldn't be just as excited or at least your expectations to be as high for that Broncos team. Michael Peterson from Bolts from the Blue. Thank you very much. And by the way, you have given me a new podcast name, which I'm going to start after this interview, Victory Brisket. Victory Brisket. Yeah, I mean, you might want to check with Justin Herbert. He might be have something going in the works with that and his teammates. But if not, full steam ahead. Thanks again to Michael. All right, let's do this, BLG. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we can dive into the rest of the rankings because we have a couple of disagreements and a couple of things that, frankly, I think you're way off. So we'll get to that when we come back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. Okay, BLG, as we dive into your power rankings, the first thing that I loved about your ranks is you've got Washington at number 10. And I do the show with RJ on Thursday, and he constantly poo-poos Washington. I think they can be really, really good, and I feel like you are one of the few people that's giving them the love that I think they deserve. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be any kind of amazing team this year, to be clear. Uh, Did our... NFC East predictions for all four teams on the NFC East mixtape with uh, RJ and myself last week in both the BZN and Vlogging the Boys podcast feeds. But uh, I have Washington 10th year because I think they're a solid team. Now, it's funny. They're only favored to win three games this year, which is like by far the fewest for a team that I have ranked this highly. But like, I think that kind of goes into what's working in their favor. And a lot of people are sleeping on this team, which is kind of funny because I know they won the division last year with a losing record, but they still won the division. Like, this is a division winner. They made the playoffs. Uh, they were respectable given the circumstances against the Bucks in the playoffs for having to start Taylor Henneke. You know, like, they they hung around as best as they realistically could have. I think they have the best coach in the division. I think their defense is still going to be strong. I think for... All of his faults, Ryan Fitzpatrick can get hot. And I, I just wouldn't count this team out. I think too many people are sleeping on Washington. And I think that actually works in their favor. I think too many people are assuming Dallas is just going to run away with the NFC East. I agree that Washington has the best coach in the division. I think they have the best defense in the division. And they probably have the second best quarterback in the division. Like that all adds up to a pretty damn good team to me. And 
I think that you're a little low on the Cowboys because I think they're going to be pretty good. But I think Washington is definitely going to be a playoff team. And I think they're going to get one of the spots in the NFC for sure. When it comes to Dallas, like I, I just think there's a lot of question marks there that people are kind of glossing over. It's not that I don't think Dallas has the upside because they do. Obviously, if the offense clicks and everything, which it very well could. But like we're just assuming that Dak is definitely going to be the same player. We're assuming that the offensive line, which cratered last year and is aging, is going to hold up. And for some reason, the biggest assumption of all, which I don't get, is we're assuming like Mike McCarthy's going to like be a good head coach or isn't going to hold this team back. <laughs> like, why are we just assuming that? We were talking about how he could be one and done last year. I just mentioned this on Monday Football Monday with Pete yesterday. Like, I just see, uh, I, I can see where they make the playoffs. Like, totally, that's totally. I get why they're favored. I understand they're actually favored in ten games this year. But like, no one should just be assuming they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. Like, I wouldn't set that in stone. Like, RJ says they're going twelve and five this year. I think that's just a bold assumption. I don't think their defense is any good, and I have zero confidence in Dan Quinn to fix it. To be honest with you, but I think Dak is going to be just fine. I think their offense is absolutely loaded. If they get average defense, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, and Mike McCarthy, I agree with you, is going to be carried yet again by a really good quarterback. That's basically his entire head coaching career. He's just fallen ass backwards into great quarterback play. And I agree. I don't think he's a very good coach, to be honest with you. Like, I don't even know if he's the second best coach in the division. I know his record looks really good, but I kind of like Joe Judge in, in New York. But I think Dallas is going to be very good. I think you're sleeping on them a little. Their offensive line is concerning. But, you know, what do we say with the Seahawks, right? Like, oh, Russell Wilson, the roster's shaky, but they got Russ. Like, I, Dallas's roster is shaky, but they got Dak. And I know he's coming back from a major injury, but scrambling is not the key part of his game. So I, I have confidence that he's going to be able to bounce back. So I have them 17th. You just mentioned the Seahawks that I feel like we should get into because it always comes back to the Seahawks between you and me, where I'm always much <laughs> higher on them than you are. What a shock as a 49ers fan. Uh, look, when you look at the Seahawks on paper, it's like they didn't do anything to make anyone really feel like they upgraded at all. They had three draft picks this year, stats, the fewest in the three. NFL. <laughs> three. And the first one didn't come till like the second round, I think in the 56 or 57 or so. And they didn't really do anything in free agency that was exciting. Like they resigned a bunch of their guys. Um, they traded for Gabe Jackson. Like, okay. Uh, nothing too splashy. But here's the thing, Stats. It doesn't matter. I mean, we look at Russell Wilson's, look at his career, look at his track record. Like, this is a guy who has only failed to win double-digit games in one season, and that season was nine games, just one shy of double-digit. <laughs> so, like, how do I bet against that? I know there's discord here. I still think there are questions about Russ being in Seattle long-term. But, like, I, I can't bet against them right now. I still think because Russ is there, he gives them a chance. It is so annoying that I have to agree with you because you're right. Like that would be my knock on the Seahawks. They didn't add anything. They only had three draft picks, everything you said. And yet Russ is there and I can't disagree with you. I will say though, the Seahawks cannot start slow. Listen to their schedule. They start on the road at Indy. That's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. The Colts have a really good defense Then they play Tennessee then they're on the road against Minnesota. They're on the road against San Francisco. Then they play the Rams. And then they're on the road against the Steelers. That is a meat grinder of a start to a season in their first six games. And, you know, you mentioned the uncertainty kind of with Russell Wilson. It'll be interesting to see 
you know, if Pete Carroll is still kind of conservative and they're really struggling to score points and maybe they lose a couple of those games, what happens with Russ and his discontent and sort of how does that situation develop as we go along? The wheels could definitely fall off. The potential for that is there. It feels like it's been here for a bit just because it feels like the Seahawks don't make like the smartest moves. And again, like they get away with it because of Russ, but eventually it feels like that could dry up. There's a couple of teams on this list that I have in similar situations there where it's like, well, you look at their track record, kind of like the Steelers, and it's like it's hard to bet against it because it's so strong. But, you know, eventually all good things come to an end and there is going to be a fall. And maybe it is this year for the Seahawks. You could totally see a situation where like this is where it blows up with Russ. And it's come to a point where, you know, he's pretty much kind of made it clear he doesn't want to be there for the long term. Uh, And he seems stuck there for now, but maybe it's a really bad year. And then it's like after the season, it just becomes so apparent that he's not going to be there anymore. And by the way, Seahawks only favored to win nine of their 17 games this year. Wow. That, yeah, I wonder how much that has to do with people just kind of assuming that maybe the music is going to stop on Seattle and that the wheels will fall off. Um, Let's stay in the division. Let's go to my San Francisco 49ers, who you are notoriously, notoriously (laughs) down on, despite my continued pleas. They are number 14 in your power rankings, one spot below the Arizona Mm. Cardinals. The Niners, however, are favored to win 14 games. Are you surprised to see that number that high for them? I am in a vacuum when you look at how, again, they're probably going to have better injury luck than they did last year. I think their schedule is favorable. So those factors go into it. But stats, here's where it comes down to it to me. Like, are the 49ers going to have the worst quarterback in the division next year? Yes or no? If they play Jimmy Garoppolo, yes. Well, that seems like a possibility right now because he's still on the team. And I think, come on, even with Trey Lance, like, there's isn't there still a good chance? You look at how inexperienced he is. Like, he, I mean, he's not better than Russ. He's not going to be better than Russ next year. He's not. He's not going to be better than Matt Stafford. Like, maybe they're better than Kyler. I think that's fair to say. But even then, okay, so you're talking about third best in the division. Like, that's where kind of I just lose it with the 49ers. I get that their roster is talented. And ultimately, I think that keeps their floor pretty high. I don't think they're going to be like a bottom 10 team in the NFL. I think they have too much talent for that. But the quarterback situation, man, it's like it's unsettled there still. And that's what kind of makes it weird to me. Like, it felt like the 49ers were in a position where after they have this bad year last year ideally they would kind of pivot to a veteran quarterback and they're kind of ready to win right now but it's like they're taking a step back by adding Trey Lance in here or um if they're riding with Jimmy G still I don't I don't even I just don't get it at that point you've talked about that ad nauseum I just don't understand it so I just feel like they're kind of in a weird spot here's the thing even if they decide to ride with Jimmy Garoppolo that's going to be a short ride because he has not made it out of September in three of the past four years. So even if they don't want to give the reins to Trey Lance, he's going to get the reins because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to crash. Like that is basically what has happened every single year. He's been the starter. Their schedule is really easy. BLG. I mean, that has set up nicely. First of all, they go Detroit and Philly. I know it's on the road one, two, but I mean, if that's the softest landing possible for a rookie quarterback that hasn't played, is it not? It could be. I just like, he's so inexperienced. I've talked about it before. I'm not going to get into it again, but it, that's a big factor to me. It's just it's it's like unprecedented level of inexperience to me. Like it's just it's crazy. Also, stats on Kyle Shanahan. I've been wanting to bring this up to you. Uh, you know, you love Kyle Shanahan. You have a lot of faith in him. I do. How many winning seasons does he have? One. Yeah. 
thank you. So, you know, maybe it's not a Hall well, of Famer. Hold, just hold yet. on, hold on. You were just saying you don't think Mike McCarthy is a good coach. He has a ton of winning seasons. So we can't always sure. look at the record and to determine how good a coach is. I'm not saying Kyle Shannon is a bad coach. I'm just saying, like, maybe he isn't the best coach ever and deserves, like, this, like, un, this, this cr- unparalleled faith you put in him. And, like, he can make any quarterback work, and it'll be great, and there are no issues. Like, it's a one-winning season. I get there's been some circumstances in there that have been beyond his control, and again, not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying maybe he is not literally the best coach in the NFL. <laughs> Blasphemy. Blasphemy, I say. Okay, uh, we talked about my 49ers. Let's talk about your Philadelphia Eagles. You're kind of harsh on your Philadelphia Eagles, I think, Brandon. You have them down at number, where do you, 27. They are only favored to win two games all year. I didn't realize that. That's pretty low. Yep. I, I think I'm fair. I, I don't have them in the bottom five, which I was looking at PFF's power rankings uh, after I did mine today, and I saw they had them. Uh, I think the, they had the Eagles either uh, 30th or 31st. So there, there's people harsher on the Eagles than I am. Um, I just look at it like this. That's, the Eagles could be better than expected. They look good in the trenches. They just added Ryan Kerrigan. If the offensive, their offensive line gets back to form and stays healthy, which should not be a guarantee by any means, but let's say that scenario happens then I think you have something here. I think the new coaching staff under Nick Sirianni could come in. And by the way, stats, a terrible job by me by totally choking at Eagles rookie minicamp last week when Nick Sirianni was introducing himself to media members and he was like uh, fist pounding everyone. And I totally just missed a huge opportunity to put out the paper. And because I could have thrown that and I could have beaten him in rock, paper, scissors. Like <laughs> I, I just totally choked on it. I was recording it too. I had, I saw I have a video so really just bad job by me. I really failed. Uh, I feel like SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation and everyone as a whole. But uh, but maybe Sirianni comes in and he kind of gives this team a spark. But where I look at this team's downside is they were really bad last year. They were fortunate to win the games they did against very bad quarterbacks, and including your own Nick Mullins over there, stats. God, don't and, even get me started on that game. And almost blew it at the end when C.J. Beathard came in. Uh, didn't even like beat Nick Mullins convincingly and <laughs> Jalen hurts to me for, I, I, I want to make this clear. I am not down on Jalen hurts. I'm not giving up on him. I think he has potential. I think he's upside, but if I'm being realistic about it and speaking of PFF, they just put out quarterback rankings, I believe. And I think they had Jalen hurts 31st out of 32 quarterbacks. Wow. That low. But like, well, how, how high are you really going to put him? Is, is Jalen Hurts not in the conversation for being one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL this year is my question to you. He has to be in the conversation, which it yeah. sounds like a knock on him, but we just don't know. And so he has to be in there. Right. But that's a, that's a, you know, that's a big issue. And that's kind of not to like simplify it or oversimplify it, but like that's, that's a big factor. And I think he can get better. I'm not writing off the, the possibility that he could come in and I don't think he's going to be great. I think that's pretty hard to envision just because I think this roster still has a long way to go. Um, I, I can't see a scenario where he's like a top 10 quarterback this year and absolutely lighting it up. I, I could see one where he's like decent, like a, a decent starter. The Eagles win maybe eight games. Uh, but for now, the, the Eagles shouldn't, they don't deserve any benefit of the doubt is the way I put it. Like <laughs> Howie Roseman has had bad off seasons since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, And there's no reason to think like, we should just kind of give the Eagles the benefit of the doubt. Like we should with a team like the Seahawks and a team like the Steelers. Like they've earned the benefit of the doubt. The Eagles have not where they are. 
let me ask you this. Would you feel better or worse about the Eagle this year's Eagles team if Doug Peterson and his coaching staff were still in charge? Um, really, I would say probably not much different at all. Um, just because I, I've been consistent that coaching really wasn't the biggest factor to me. I think the talent of the roster, I think the quarterback issues were really the biggest things before Doug Peterson. I think we said that a lot, uh, like in terms of Howie, Wentz, and then Doug being the issues in that order. So it doesn't really change the calculus a lot. I feel like you can get an edge potentially from the coaching staff if Nick Sirianni comes in here. And by the way, I was thinking about this recently. Like Nick Sirianni has to be one of the most like under talked about head coaches in the entire NFL. And understandably so, because the Eagles don't have a lot of juice going for them. And he doesn't have this, you know, background that a lot of other coaches in the NFL do. But it's just kind of funny. Like we're not like we just don't even talk about him. We don't even mention him. He was featured in uh, the MMQB this week by Albert Breer. And I thought that was a nice feature on him. But even like the fe- the juice to come out of that feature, I felt like wasn't anything. Like I feel like people had no reactions. There's I actually, you know, I made that the highlight of my link post that I do for Bleeding Green Nation uh, everyday stats. And there were like three comments on that article. Like that's that's very low for BTN. <laughs> like people, there's just not a lot of juice there. Because nobody knows who he is, to be honest with you. So they have no expectations for him. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, it was different when you talk about Kyle Shanahan. Like people knew Kyle Shanahan, especially after the Super Bowl debacle. So everybody had strong opinions on him. Eagles hired Nick Sirianni and it was like, okay, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, not very fun in terms of taking, like having a take on someone. It's like, I don't know <laughs> what to say because we, we just don't know. I think Sirianni uh, so far is kind of like a fun personality. He has a lot of energy, and that's great. But is he a good football coach? That's the, I don't know. Like people ask me, they're like, how do you feel about Sirianni? I'm like, well, he seems like kind of a nice guy. I am willing to give him a chance. I'm not like, oh, this guy is like I'm out on him because he seems like he's too energetic or he had a bad press conference. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. Let's see if he can actually coach football games. And we just don't have a clue of that right now. You mentioned the juice and that takes me back over to the AFC. Cause it's something you mentioned about the Las Vegas Raiders. You have them 26th mm. in your power rankings and you start out your analysis with arguably <laughs> the most juiceless team in the entire league Their market is the most interesting thing about them. And I can't say you're wrong. The market in the stadium, that's the best thing the Raiders have going for them. I think John Gruden has been an absolute disaster since he has come back. Nobody has squeezed more juice, speaking of juice, out of his one Super Bowl win than John Gruden. People have elevated him to a status I do not think he deserved at all. He won the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's team against his old team in the Raiders who never changed any of the offensive signals from when Gruden was the coach there. Like it is the circumstances lined up perfectly for him. And since he has come back, he has been nothing but bad for the Raiders. I would say that it's not all Gruden's fault just because I think we've seen some good offensive production. And I don't think it's as simple as, you know, Gruden is out of his element. Because I mean, that, that was like the take when the, the Raiders hired him. It's like he's just like the NFL has passed him by. He doesn't know what he's doing. I actually think that hasn't been true. But, I mean, he's still the head coach. He's still overseeing the entire dynamic. And clearly they haven't gotten the defense right. And that's not his direct project. But he's part of that decision. As we know, he has a lot of control and influence in that organization. And he hasn't gotten the defensive hire right. And he needs to. I mean, this is a guy who is 19 and 29 last three years. N- nothing in the playoffs. He is still owed over $66 million stats because of that ridiculous <laughs> 10-year contract. 
<laughs> which is insane. Uh, but also, you know, looking at the rankings here, it comes down to quarterback to me too, as it often does. And I would argue that Derek Carr is the least desirable starting quarterback in the league. Now, notice I did not say he is the worst starting quarterback in the league because I don't, no one can argue that. That's not true. Like, you could be the biggest Derek Carr hater. You can't say he's the worst starter in the league. Um, there are people, there are definitely people worse than him, but he's the least desirable because he is too good to move on from, but he is not good enough to win anything with. So you're just stuck with this guy. And that's a big reason why there isn't juice with this team. Cause we all know the Raiders aren't contending and we all know they're not a team at the bottom of the league that kind of has upside or is going to like be really bad and then have a pass to get better in the future. They're just, they're just kind of stuck. Yeah, Derek Carr, I think, can be good at times. I mean, the game against the Chiefs, both games against the Chiefs last year, when he's aggressive, he can make plays. He has a really strong arm. He just doesn't show that consistently. And he's the classic example of, you know, there's always going to be a portion of the fan base that says we need a new quarterback. And the reaction from other guys is going to be, well, who are you getting? Who are you getting that's going to be better? What if we get a guy that's going to be worse? And it's like, that shouldn't be your thinking. Because then you're stuck, like you said. Then you're in quarterback purgatory, when in reality, your thinking should be, is this guy good enough, yes or no? And if the answer is no, move on, because Mm -hmm. you know he's not good enough. And so the ultimate goal is to win, but I agree. It's tempting to stay in sort of that cocoon because you're terrified of getting into quarterback hell, whereas you're just cycling through guys over and over again, and that's no fun for anybody. But to me, it, it goes back to Gruden. He runs the ship there. Look at the Raiders draft history since he's been there. Mm. How many times after the draft are like the number one pick everybody's questioning is the Raiders. And it's like there are a lot of times, I think, where Gruden just flat out goes rogue and ignores the scouts, ignores Mike Mayock and just falls in love with people. It seems like the Raiders every draft after it's over, they're like, yep, we knew you were going to hate this pick, but just wait, we'll show you. He's really good. Spoiler alert. He's not. I feel like I feel bad for Mayock. I mean, maybe I shouldn't because maybe he's more involved than I know. I don't know. You know, I obviously don't know the dynamic, but assuming that Gruden does have as much control as we think he would, again, because you look at the contract and what he's meant to that organization, how the Davis family seems to love him. I'm pretty yep. confident he has the, and he was hired before Mayock. I'm pretty confident, you know, he has the power there. And yeah, and it's what situations and not just looking at exceptions, you know, talking about general rule, like how often do we see coaches who have personnel power, like be the model for success in the NFL? You don't, again, there are exceptions to that rule, but those are the exceptions It's not the rule. So just not a good situation for the Raiders. Also, I mean, just how deflating is it? If the Broncos do in fact get Aaron Rodgers and (laughs) Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and then you're just stuck there with Derek Carr. Like that's awful. That sucks. Well, that's another reason, right, to just establish the line of, is this guy good enough? Yes, no, move on. Because, yeah, if, if Rodgers is there, then you're buried. Like, I don't even know who you – you got to go trade for Russell Wilson, really, if you're if you're the Raiders at that point, right? I mean, that's the level of guy that you would have to bring in to even give yourself a chance to win the division. Or just, like, take the L and just be like, well, we're not competing in this division. We kind of just have to, like, gear up long-term and, like, trade some of these players away and, like, rebuild and get assets and try to, you know, make a play for Deshaun Watson down the road or or trade up for a quarterback in the future or something. But, yeah, if, if not the short-term solution of trying to get Russ, which I guess they could theoretically be in play for and probably is preferable to the tanking thing. But, 
It's either one of the two, and that's the problem right now. They're stuck in between, and you can't be stuck in between. You have to make a choice. And that's why I almost wonder if the security that Gruden has is a bad thing, right? Because if he didn't have that kind of security, maybe he would be desperate enough to go give up four first-round picks for Russell Wilson. But if he's not really that worried about his job, maybe he's not desperate enough to make that move. The contract is the problem there, right? Like, how, how would he not feel good about his job? Because you have all these years left and all this money left. Like, right. you're untouchable. God, John Gruden is untouchable. Okay, enjoy that, Raider fans. At least you have a cool stadium. That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, a couple other teams we wanted to get to. A couple of the teams in the AFC East. You want to talk Buffalo. I want to talk Miami. Let's go Buffalo first because I think they are much, much better. How worried are you about a Josh Allen regression? Because you have Buffalo right now at number five. Number five, they're actually favored to win 15 games, which is, I think, tied for the second most. The Bucks at number one are also uh, favored to win 15 games. I think only the Chiefs with 16 are favored to win more. I Look, I think the Bills still have one of the league's best rosters. I feel like Bills fans might see this ranking and feel like they're being slighted because they're only five, but... I mean, five is still a good place to be. Let's be clear about that. And then I, I just think that the drop-off from Josh Allen, like there's going to be some kind of drop-off this year, Stats. So there is. I mean, his completion percentage went up almost 13% last year. Like That's that's not a regular year-to-year occurrence. Like that screams, to me, that screams Josh Allen worked hard to improve and he deserves credit for that. Yes, but also probably just not sustainable when you look at the history of that kind of improvement. And also, you know, passer rating jumped up by 24 points last year. Like the, those are just big jumps. I think he could regress and still be like a very good starting quarterback and the bills will still be a very good team, but just not as good as they were in 2020. I think part of that obviously is the addition of Stefan Diggs. The bills did go out and add Emmanuel Sanders. So hopefully they're, you know, thinking like they're going to try and keep that going to help, fight off some of that regression. I just think Buffalo is really good. I think Allen is really good. I think he is. I think he has sort of found the balance now of when to run and make a play with his legs and when to kind of stick in there and try and make a play down the field. And the thing I love about Buffalo is their head coach compliments their strength on offense. Sean McDermott is a defensive head coach. He's a really smart guy. The Bills defense is really tough. I think they put a lot of people uh, on the defensive early because Allen can go down and score a bunch of points and then the, the other team becomes one-dimensional. I'm He might regress a little. I agree with you. Like, people don't – we always like to assume that everybody's going to get better and kind of sustain their level of success. It's entirely possible that that's the best year Josh Allen has ever had. So we have to prepare for that, but I still think they're good. I think they're the best team in the AFC East by far, and they are going to be a pain in the ass for everybody else in the AFC. So let's get to the Dolphins then, since you also brought them up. I have them at 11, just outside of the top 10. They're favored to win just eight of their games this season, which is kind of lower for where I have them in my rankings. How are you feeling about the Dolphins? I'm down on Miami, BLG. You brought up with the 49ers that they have a strong roster and questions at quarterback. Well, you could say the exact same thing about the Dolphins. You could argue that all their good play came with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Well, guess what? Fitzpatrick is gone. It's Tua's show. I don't think the Dolphins have confidence in Tua. And you look at their schedule, obviously New England and Buffalo twice. Those are not going to be easy games. They got to play the Colts. They got to play the Bucks. They got to play the Ravens. They got to play Tennessee. 
I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Dolphins were a 500 team or below. I am not buying into them by any stretch of the imagination. They don't have a bad roster, but we're not talking about a team that's absolutely loaded at every position. So I'm down on Miami. I gotta, they gotta prove it to me. I really am not sold on Tua. I I think it's too early for anyone to say like definitively out on Tua. Like it's just it's too early. Like we haven't he hasn't been given a fair chance to actually show what he can do fully. I know he played last year and it wasn't great, but that, like that's not enough. Like he still deserves this year. Now I said in the offseason that if the Dolphins can make a move to get a quarterback who they think is better, they should go for that. And I still believe that. But assuming they're not doing that, then if you're sticking with Tua, then obviously you have to give him a chance, a fair shake here. And look, they added Jalen Waddle, and I think that'll be a really good weapon for him. Had a good connection at Alabama. Um, I think there are pieces for Tua to work with. But yeah, just not sold. Uh, and I think I do like the roster, though. And I think that Brian Flores is a very good head coach, and I have a lot of faith in him, which I think which really goes into why I have them ranked as highly as I do, because he gets this team to fight. We've seen that for these first two years, and I don't think that's meaningless. What I will say about Tua is that, like, the Dolphins signed Jacoby Brissett and gave him, I believe, like five million for a reason. And I think that reason is that if that roster is good again, like the roster looks good, but the quarterback position isn't there, and Tua is really bad, I don't think they're going to have much reluctance to pull him to pull Tua and be like, we need a baseline level. We, we need competency at the quarterback position. And Tua isn't giving us right now. We know Jacoby Brissett like, isn't going to be this amazing long-term starter. They're not under any illusions that he's going to be like their guy, their answer, but he can at least kind of keep them afloat and almost give them kind of what Fitzpatrick gave them really like that kind of level, not the same kind of player, you know, different styles and everything. Uh, you know, more, I would say Jacoby probably more of a, a level starter than Patrick Fitzpatrick being up and down, but like kind of just competency at the quarterback position. And I think Tua doesn't just get this year as a whole. I think, I think there could be a relatively quick hook. Like if he's just really bad. I agree with you. I mean, we saw it last year and I think we could see it this year. According to your rankings, you have them sixth in the AFC. The AFC teams you have better than Miami are Kansas city, the chargers, Buffalo, the Ravens, who we'll get to in a minute and the Browns. And I agree with all those teams. I think they're all better than Miami, clearly. But then I look at other teams in the AFC, like Tennessee, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, New England. Am I sure that Miami is better than those teams? I'm not sure of that. So there are, at best, they're the sixth best team in the AFC. I think a lot of people will be surprised if Miami is not competing for a playoff spot. I wouldn't be. If they're that bad, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think people are way too high on Miami. I think the Dolphins are in that tier of teams you just talked about. Like, there's no clear uh, leader at that group as much as they're all in that conversation, that mix, which is kind of what power rankings are about, too. Like, it's not just about, like, literally, like, there's different gaps. But it's not like the same gap between one and two is the same gap between eight and nine, necessarily. You know, there's different tiers here, and I think they're in that kind of tier. It'll be interesting to see. I, I had a lot of, like excitement about the Dolphins last year I was high in them you know they had these picks I thought they were you know gonna be able to like kind of turn those into something and I, I really wish they had gone a different route a quarterback not to again say Tua has is hopeless but I, I thought they were in a position to go get Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or do, make this big move and maybe they, they wanted Deshaun and obviously that situation is not really tenable right now so just unfortunate if that's the case but uh, I think you're a little too harsh on them but we'll see 
All right, let's get to Baltimore before we go. I feel like the entire Ravens regular season is irrelevant. Like nobody cares what the Ravens do in the regular season. We're all just waiting for them to get back into the playoffs because we're all just waiting to see if Lamar can straighten out his game in the postseason and be the quarterback we've seen him be during the regular season. It's stark. It's like this isn't breaking news to anyone. And I have the Baltimore Ravens here at six. I should say also, also uh, 15 wins is what they're favored for this year. Tied wow. with the Bills and the Bucks. So very high on the uh, odds makers, very high on the Ravens. But you just said it there, Stats. Like this is a team that is 30, or sorry, this is Lamar Jackson, who is 30 and seven as a starter with a 102.6 career pass rating in the regular season. He is one and four in the playoffs with a pass rating of just 68.3. Like, wow. You got to, like, it just, like you just said, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of sucks because the regular season is supposed to be part of the journey, it's supposed to be fun. You're lighting teams up in the regular season. It feels good. You're watching yourself at the top of my power rankings uh, every week, and you're feeling amazing about that probably more <laughs> than anything. And it just doesn't matter. If, you, if you're going to be such a no show, it's not even like he's kind of just been like, eh, you know, kind of like, underwhelming mediocre in the playoffs he's been bad and that's just I, I don't know what you do with that I don't know what you do when you have such a big discrepancy between great regular season and flat out terrible postseason yeah I don't know either because I think the Ravens are a kind of team where during the regular season Lamar is so good their offense is so different from what everybody else in the NFL is doing that they catch teams by surprise who aren't fully prepared for stuff and they bully teams in the regular season they can embarrass you especially Lamar but in the playoffs, everybody's focused, right? Everybody's geared up. You get everybody's best shot. And I just think there's a different level there to where their offense does not have the weapons to be able to overcome that. And I, I think that they really struggled this offseason trying to bring in guys to help Lamar Jackson. They got rejected by T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton said thanks, but no thanks. Like, they really tried to add a weapon. They recognized the need, but I don't know that they were able to do it. Now they tried to address it in the draft and we'll see, maybe they have, but until we see it, I'm not confident that anything is going to change for Baltimore. I think they'll be very good in the regular season. I think they'll probably win at least 10 games, but they could easily be one and done again in the playoffs because of all the reasons you mentioned. I like the Rashad Bateman pick. I think he's going to mm -hmm. be a good player. I don't know how much of an instant difference he makes, but he could. Uh, I think Sammy Watkins was a fine pickup. I don't think he's anything to be super excited about, but it helps. Uh, it's really interesting to see what the Ravens are going to do with Lamar's contract here. Like That's a big question. They picked up his fifth-year option, of course, but you know, as of May 18th at 9.57 a.m., they have not extended him yet, and this is the time that quarter, like teams typically would do that and try to get out ahead of the market. Now, that hasn't always worked out in the case of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff being notable examples. But then again, the Rams and Colt, or Eagles were able to move on from those contracts, so it wasn't like extremely prohibitive and they were screwed. Um, and had the upside worked out, had those players worked out, they would have been in great spots. They'd been favorable contracts. So it's interesting to see the Ravens haven't paid him yet. That could change. Maybe it'll change this summer. We'll see. But uh, the pressure is on. That's an interesting question. Like right now, if Lamar Jackson was on the open market, is he getting the Dak deal? I don't think he is. I think he is. I think 
stats teams will do like desperate things to get quarterbacks. <laughs> you know this. You, look at the 49ers. Look what I mean, like when teams really want a quarterback, they will do they will move heaven and earth if it takes so if he's on the open market, there's a team out there that is just throwing him a ridiculous amount of money because it won't they won't be the only one. There'll be multiple teams doing all they can to try to get him. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think you have to run a very specific kind of offense for him. And I don't know that every team is going to be willing to do it. Like I give the Ravens credit. They drafted him and they went all in to tailor mm-hmm. a system to his talents. Like they did a great job with that. More teams need to do what the Ravens did by, by embracing the strengths of a quarterback. But in another system, does he look as good as he's looked? I don't know. So I, I don't know if he would get the Dak deal, but it's a fair point by you. Teams do do desperate things at quarterback. And yes, I know my 49ers are the perfect example of that. I will say that I feel like Lamar in his defense has had a a rough go of things in the playoffs in terms of like, if he was in the NFC, I'm pretty sure his numbers would be better by now. Like the AFC is just, we know you said at the top of the show, it's a much tougher field having to deal with those teams uh, in that conference. So I will give him, you know, a little bit of a break there, but Again, dude, like we got to see it, man. This is the year. Like this is the year. Like we have to see it this year because, you know, again, you're going into the last year of his deal uh, after the season on that fifth year option. And do you really want a quarterback like playing on the last year? Does Lamar Jackson really be wanting to play on the last year of his deal? Like it feels like this is the year to get something done. Do you think the Ravens are kind of taking that approach too? like, hey, man, this is the year. Show us and we'll pay you. But if not, then maybe we don't. Maybe we franchise you and, and you know, we start looking for another guy. I think so. I think the Ravens more than any other team might be confident in their ability in the draft to get something. I mean, they look, look where they got Lamar Jackson pick 32 end of the first round. Like, I don't think they think it's like Lamar bust. I think they like Lamar a lot. And I don't think by any means they have like one foot out the door and are trying to move on from him. But I also think like if it comes down to another situation where he's not getting it done, like they have a price is, is how I put it. They have a price. They're willing to pay that price undoubtedly. But if Lamar wants more than that, then they're probably going to be like, all right, sorry. Like, nope, like this is our price. And it's either that or see ya. And this is an organization that kind of got burned by Joe Flacco, right? Like they waited on Flacco. They didn't sign him. And then in 2012, obviously he ended up playing great in the play. I mean, he was incredible in the playoffs, played the best he's ever played in his career. 11 touchdowns, no picks. They win the Super Bowl. They sign him to the big deal. And then they go 500 basically from that point forward. So they've kind of been burned by that before. I wonder how much that the residual effect of that plays into this as well. I could see Baltimore being willing to wait it out with Lamar and say, hey, if we're not blown away by the end of this, we've been burned before. We're better off just letting him go. So. That does it right for we hit on everything that we needed to stats. You can read again. You can read the rest of these if you're listening. And we didn't mention your team at bleedinggreennation.com. The full rankings and explanations will be there. And if there's somebody you wanted us to talk about and you didn't leave a review on iTunes, hit us up with your question. We will be happy to answer it on next week's show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Oddcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Brandon Lee Gowden. We'll talk to you next week. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, 
But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.